I think it was the rise of like the city-based franchising system for Overwatch um, and eventually for Call of Duty now, uh, the Call of Duty League, um, which really kind of cemented for me and my co-founder back in college that, uh, you know, esports was here to stay. Welcome back to the Founders Couch. This is a talk show about the most inspiring student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Catherine Jang. I recently graduated from Stanford this year, where I was a student founder. For those of you new to the show, my goal with this is to shed a light on the student founder journey, inspire some of you to start your own ventures, and highlight some of the most promising startups in the country. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to Founders Couch wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the show, we have Faisal Yunus. Faisal is a recent Harvard dropout who studied applied math and computer science. Hailing from Long Island, New York, he is the co-founder of Athlane, a YC-backed company from the Summer 19 cohort that is looking to be the connective fiber between streamers and brands, facilitating sponsorship and endorsement deals with more transparent data and analytics and a streamlined communications flow. Athlane has products for both brands and streamers. They recently raised $3.3 million in seed funding from investors like Y Combinator, Jonathan Kraft, president of the New England Patriots, Michael Gordon, president of Fenway Sports Group, which owns the Red Sox and Liverpool Football Club, and more. Of course, I want to say a huge thank you to Neil Band for his kind intro. Without Neil, this episode with Faisal wouldn't be a thing. Now onto the show. Let's get Faisal on the couch. Hey, Faisal. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Good. Um, how is San Francisco? It's good. It's, uh, it's a little chilly, but other than that, it's, uh, it's great. Awesome. Well, Faisal, it's, it's really great to have you on the show today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and where did you grow up? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm from Long Island, uh, New York, uh, which is where I grew up. Um, I lived there for the majority of my life before going to school in Cambridge. Gotcha. Very cool. And, you know, I, I took some time in the intro to kind of explain what Athlane does, but how would you describe what your company does in your own words? Yeah. So Athlane is a couple of different things to a couple of different people, notably brands and streamers. Uh, Athlane is a sponsorship platform that lets brands create, execute, and analyze marketing campaigns with any streamer or esports team in the world. And then for streamers, Athlane Pro is a B2C platform uh, that gives them effectively a streamer toolkit to help them make gaming their career. So I'm curious, you know, what, what initially got you into esports in the first place? Yeah, so I studied applied math at school and I was really interested in a number of different um, kind of data-driven problems. Um, I was, I've been a gamer my entire life and... In college, me and a close friend of mine, Michael, um, spent time kind of trying to figure out the solutions to a bunch of problems we were seeing uh, in the gaming world. We noticed the rise of the streaming trend. So a number of like gamers who are good at professional competitions beginning to live stream as a career. Um, and we were super interested in figuring out like what made them successful and how could we effectively proselytize that to uh, an entire audience of people who were interested in taking their kind of gaming and, and or streaming commitments to the next level, but weren't quite sure how. Um, and so it took on a couple of different forms, um, but eventually we settled on Athlane and that's kind of how it, it got started. Mm. And you were playing esports and then you transitioned into kind of solving a problem in esports. 
what motivated you to you know switch to actually solving a problem actively yeah so i mean we were just watching a bunch of twitch and um yeah a number of kind of classes that i was in um kind of helped me frame and contextualize some of the trends we were seeing so uh, i think it was the rise of like the city-based franchising system for overwatch um and eventually for call of duty now uh, the call of duty league um, which really kind of cemented for me and my co-founder back in college that uh, you know, esports was here to stay. Um, and so we were, you know, that was kind of all we could think about. And so we started to focus some of our efforts uh, outside of the classroom um, more directly just onto this particular field that we were both pretty passionate about uh, as gamers ourselves. And you mentioned like noticing many different problems in the esports industry. I'm curious to know, did you talk to users? Did you guys do user interviews to kind of validate those problems? Or what did you do after, you know, noticing these issues? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely conducted a ton of user interviews, speaking to kind of some of our favorite streamers. Um, no one super huge, but just people that we knew and watched uh, kind of on a daily or weekly basis, um, we tried to figure out how they managed to run their streaming careers in the status quo at the time. Um, and then we spent a lot of time talking to the brands that we always would see plastered all over content. Um, just this kind of oversaturation of the same brands. Uh, we thought it was a huge opportunity for uh, us to learn kind of why they were focused after this particular industry specifically the gamers that they were partnered with. And from there, we, we started to see uh, trends associated with how these brands are making decisions. Um, so, so that's kind of how we, we kind of conducted research. We definitely spoke to a lot of different streamers and uh, brands as well. Um, but at the same time, um, we, we, you know, we also had conversations with people who kind of represented the publishers and uh, we just kind of wanted to get a canvas of the ecosystem at hand and figure out what exactly the problems each stakeholder um, was facing. Got it. That makes sense. So kind of talking to these different stakeholders and getting a sense of which problems were most pressing. So did you at any point start bringing in like brainstorming solutions and putting that in front of these people as well? Or was it more of a problem validation? I think we definitely took the agile framework, uh, maybe a little too close to heart in the beginning, but basically we would we, we started building a few really basic iterations of uh, solutions that we thought could be helpful. So whether it was on the performance data side, uh, you know, figuring out a way to consolidate all of your match history and uh, kind of everything that makes you unique as a gamer to figuring out what your fan base appeal is. Um, and so there, we definitely took a more proactive approach with regards to uh, kind of you know, brainstorming some of the solutions that we thought should be readily accessible to the average streamer. I know you mentioned in our last conversation how you guys started off with like an esports database, right? Yep. You mentioned also like building a lot of traction at the beginning in terms of LOIs. How did you get from the user interview stage to like signed LOIs? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was just um, learning a ton about specific pain points that uh, were faced by a number of similar stakeholders, and then honing in on a couple of um, a couple of use cases in particular that were perhaps the most drastic. Uh, getting really close with the individuals facing those particular problems, um, and when I say getting close, I mean just making sure that the problem that they're facing is kind of understood, um, and and you know figuring out the solution. Um, 
kind of proposing it to them. And, you know, ultimately if someone is facing a problem that's that drastic, that they're willing to accept a solution from someone who's just starting out, uh, it's generally a good problem to be addressing. So that's kind of the thought process that we took. Yeah, kind of almost validating the problem by validating the solution in a way. So you get mm-hmm. this, you build like an initial MVP, build some initial traction, and then YC rolls around. So this is like summer of last year, right? Yeah, it was summer of 2019. So what kind of motivated you and Michael um, to, to apply for this program in the first place? We wanted to apply to YC just because, uh, well, we heard a lot of great things about it from some of our friends who'd gone through the program. We both uh, kind of followed Paul Graham's blog, uh, as well as a number of other kind of YC partners. Um, and then from there, we just, yeah, we were just interested in uh, applying. Um, I think a lot of companies that are just getting started look at it as uh, an advisory source that's uh, pretty helpful. So that was that was just the initial thesis. Very similar to why most people probably apply to YC. I know this might be a weird question to ask kind of <laughs> since it's, it's almost one year over, but what do you think was what got you guys in to YC? Absolutely. So uh, I can't really speak too specifically as to what led us to get in. Um, but I think the biggest thing that um, helps companies as they're approaching YC is having kind of as much real user testimonials experience and data points. I think the more traction you can have in the sense of understanding what a, you know, what relatively significant group of users or potential users feel about not just the space, but also the product that you're working on, the better are your chances. And so I think in general, those are the, or that is the quality that YC um, kind of over indexes on, if you will. That makes sense. I think they, yeah, user traction and testimonials seems like a big part of it. So YC is around three months long. And I'm, I wonder, you know, what was that experience like and how pivotal was it for you guys? Yeah, YC was a pretty exhilarating experience. It was very intense in the sense of, uh, prolonged like product development periods, um, learning how to move really, really quickly with the advice of individuals who kind of served as your mentors. Those are the group partners. They, you know, take the time to give you uh, context-driven advice, um, a lot of which is often very difficult to execute upon. And then I think the success in executing upon that advice is what um, is the metric that kind of sets apart companies within the batch. Interesting. And, you know, when you guys were, when you and Michael were going through YC, was this the time where you were thinking about taking time off or was that decision, did that decision come earlier um, before even going through the batch? Yeah, we decided to take a semester off um, actually well before the batch, uh, about even two months before we applied to YC. And why is that? yeah, we were both super interested in in kind of taking this uh, idea to the next level, if you will. Um, I think the opportunity cost of taking a, a leave of absence um, wasn't super high for us in the sense that uh, Harvard's really good about um, taking time off to work on projects uh, of interest. And uh, yeah, so for us, it, it wasn't a huge opportunity cost, um, a lot of which was, you know, just because of how generous Harvard is. Um, so that was, that was really the motivating factor. We just were, I guess, obsessed with working on this project. And um, that's why we took the, uh, the semester off. So you mentioned things around, you know, 
you know, Harvard being generous in a sense um, and that allowing you and giving you the courage to kind of take time off. I'm curious to know, like, even when you were at Harvard, those beginning few months of working on this idea, did, did Harvard provide any sort of resources or did you, you know, reach out to any professors during that time? Yeah, there's definitely a few professors that uh, both my co-founder and I were very kind of close with and, and definitely ran some ideas uh, across the board with. In terms of resources, I think the Harvard Innovations Lab um, is a great place that fosters people just connecting that wouldn't have connected otherwise. Uh, there's a lot of cool projects being developed there at any given time. And for us, having the ability to you know, use that network um, was pretty helpful, even if it was just uh, you know, a social network in the sense that uh, you had other people working on projects and um, it kind of serves as a motivating factor at times. Uh, I'd say that the unique elements of Harvard that made, um, I guess, the conditions uh, conducive for us to start working on Applane were just specifically the coursework that we had been taking. Um, I'd been taking like a data visualization course that I really liked um, and uh, a couple of other uh, kind of applied math courses that, you know, just kind of fueled my interest further by showing me um, some of the uh, capabilities um, of kind of modern day technology at, at a high level. Um, and and I, I think that really serves as a springboard through which a lot of students begin to work on their own projects. I think that just reflects kind of the Harvard's entrepreneurship spirit in a way. You recently announced that you guys launched with around 3.3 million in capital, which is incredible. I think you had investors like the owner of the New England Patriots as well as the Red Sox in Liverpool, um, which is awesome. I think a lot of people will probably wonder, you know, throughout your experience of speaking with investors and pitching, what would you say are kind of the do's or don'ts when it comes to speaking with investors? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to be as concise as possible with the problem that you're working on. Um, I think the more uh, relatable you make the uh, issue at hand, the more attention you get in meetings and whatnot. Um, and again, it's just about uh, figuring out the right group of people that can help you uh, on your journey that would also be greatly kind of benefited um, through, you know, innovation in this particular field. Absolutely. So I'm curious. So it's been a little bit over a year since, I guess, the beginning of your athlete journey, you would say. What were some of the challenges that came up along the way that you didn't expect or were kind of tough? Yeah, I think um, the... Uh, biggest thing is that there's it's really easy to get uh blindsided by a number of different opportunities especially when you're in a space that's not necessarily very mature um such as the kind of esports and gaming ecosystem as a whole uh and i think it's really important to be focused on the solution you're working on at hand and definitely not close an eye on opportunity but make sure that you're focused and not spread too thin i think a lot of startups uh, you know, it, it tends to um, get a bit confusing if you don't have a very tight-knit product roadmap. What made you realize that point? Yeah, I think for us, it was just ultimately, you know, there's a, a bunch of different uh, use cases that we had, a lot of different stakeholders we could satisfy with our existing product suite, figuring out that end user uh, and focusing on their journey at first um, is, is kind of what made us realize that uh, it, it ultimately it leads you to execute faster and you realize that you could have, uh, you know, just moved quicker. 
So looking back, you know, you started this company around junior year spring um, at Harvard. What would you say, you know, if you had the chance to kind of take a step back and speak to your younger self, what, what, what would be the fr- couple things that you would say? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, number one, um, a lot of the classes that I took uh, were that, that weren't necessarily within my course load for applied math. Uh, ended up being some of my favorite classes. Uh, so definitely, I, I would just say like, uh, you know, spend a lot of time in the classes that uh, you choose to take that aren't mandatory. Um, even if you're not quite sure how they'll be applicable, even if it's like some obscure like math class or whatever, uh, as long as it interests you, like focus on it and definitely clean as much as you can from it. Um, I'd also probably say that uh, it's never like too early to start like working on something that you think is uh, valuable, you know, kind of like you just mentioned, like working on a side project. And uh, third is probably like, don't, I, I think like there's like a lot of these like course requirements at like schools like Stanford and Harvard, where most people typically take like four classes. Um, and I, I, I took like more than four, you know, sometimes or whatnot. Um, I think, you know, one piece of advice might be just like, you know, personally, like, I think I could have probably taken even more classes. Um, and I think just like figuring that out earlier would have been just an interesting way to, uh, yeah, just take a more diverse course load. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sometimes like classes that you think are going to be super helpful end up maybe not being as helpful, but then classes that you don't expect just somehow, you know, come back to you later in the future. So I definitely agree with that point. Um, Faisal, let's move on to kind of the fire round. So this is uh, basically where I fire at you five quick questions and it's just some quick responses. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. All right. First question. Most memorable experience at Harvard? Uh, Probably housing day, which is when you get placed into uh, one of the kind of residential houses. Number two, favorite class at Harvard? Uh, Stat 110, which is our probability course. Quarantine activity that keeps you sane? Uh, Playing Call of Duty Warzone. (laughs) Very cool. One word or phrase that embodies your athlete journey? I'd probably say as cliche as it is like rewarding. In what sense? It's rewarding in that like you're working on uh, exactly what you want to be working on. Um, So it's definitely very rewarding in that sense. And last question, where do you see athlete going and what are the next steps for Faisal Yunus? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I I see athlete growing as uh, being the kind of best possible solution to, uh, help streamers kind of turn gaming into their career as well as facilitate the uh, interactions between uh, the non-endemic world so brands that have never participated in esports or gaming before uh, in a marketing sense uh, to kind of be the connective fiber between them and the esports uh, and gaming audience Uh, in terms of next steps i mean uh, yeah uh, i'm going to be continuing to work on applane obviously um, and my co-founder, Michael, and I, you know, couldn't be more excited. Um, there's a lot of cool, uh, you know, projects that we're laying out and a lot of cool launches in our near future. So um, just going to be continuing to work on Athlane and, uh, you know, helping address as many problems within this ecosystem as we can. Yeah, that's super exciting. I think I can't think of a better team to do it. So it seems like you guys are headed in a great direction. And I'm just excited to see where you guys go. I <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. All right. Thanks, Faisal, for coming on the show today. Thank you.
some really great insights. Thanks so much, Faisal, for coming on the couch and to all of you for tuning into this episode. If you want to hear from another incredible Harvard founder, you might enjoy episode number 22, where we talk with HBS recent grad Shuyao Kong. If you haven't already, subscribe to Founders Couch wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating and review. If you want to see more from us, follow us on Instagram at Founders Couch. Catch us Friday after next, August 21st, for another Founders Couch Friday. I'm Catherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founders Couch. See y'all soon.